Last week, we kicked off this series, and hopefully you were either with us or watched online or caught up on our podcast, but we, caught, we kicked off a series called Strengthen, and the idea behind it is we highlighted that many of us uh, have been, our, our strength has been tested in this last season. There's often times when our strength gets tested, but particularly what the world has been going through and what we've been walking through, and the, the, I guess the, the increase of of this test through this this COVID period, our test has been strengthened and we, has been tested, sorry, our strength has been tested. And over this time, we've noticed that there's been cracks that have revealed in us. Cracks like things in our emotional health or maybe in our relationships or possibly uh, those of you who are married in your marriages and, and some in, in the vocation of singleness or maybe even in how we live out our faith or are connected to people uh, in, the, in the local church. Maybe these cracks have been revealed. And we, we used a word last week that helps us understand what this feels like and it's the word apocalyptic. And often apocalyptic is, is, you know, tied to the book of Revelation or Daniel in the scriptures, you know, what maybe uh, the end of the world might look like or, the, or maybe a shift in God creating the new heavens and the new earth one day. But we, as we looked at that briefly last week and as we understand the word apocalypse, it really means this, to unveil something. And, a, and an apocalyptic moment unveils something. And uh, here's a phrase that I want us to just think about, that, that to say the word apocalypse is not necessarily the end of time, though it could mean that. It's not necessarily the end of time, but very often a moment in time that unveils what's going on under the surface. So an apocalypse is really an unveiling, and it's not necessarily or only the end of time, but very often a moment in time that unveils what's going on under the surface. And for many of us this season, in fact, even if you just look at news sites, they're using the word apocalypse or an apocalyptic moment that's going on. And this season has unveiled for many of us cracks in our life and in our faith. And the goal over the next couple of weeks as we start the fall season together is that we would strengthen ourselves, that we would discover where our strength really lies because the cracks that you and I have experienced have revealed some of the failed sources of our strength, the failed sources of our strength. And the hope over the next couple of weeks is that we discover true sources of strength as followers of Jesus. And this is so vital because I know, and even just talking to people this week after last week's theme opened up, we admit that there's cracks being revealed. And so today I want to talk about a certain kind of strength and it's strength in our calling. Strength in our calling. See, calling is a treasured discovery for anybody, regardless of where you are on a spiritual journey, regardless if you call yourself a Christian or not, the sense of calling is a treasured discovery because humanity longs for transcendence, longs for something beyond itself. Life becomes defined or meaningful when we discover something bigger than ourselves. I never forget when uh, my wife and I found out that that she was pregnant with our first uh, child, Andrew. And uh, I had this, we were very excited, and it was, it, was, it was wonderful, and it was awesome. But I had this, like, wondering thought in my mind. And you guys might think I'm crazy, but I had this thought. I'm like, do I have enough love for this additional person in my life? <laughs> and 
And so this is, just keep that picture up while I'm talking. And, and so I was married to Franca, and so, so the sense of love expanded to her, and there was friends in our lives and family, and we were involved in ministry, and there was all these things. And I, I was, I, I'm going to be honest here, I was struggling with a little bit of selfishness. And I wonder, do I have enough love for another human being to this extent in my life? And then, in a hospital in Laval, my son was born, and I was holding him, and I got a I got the opportunity to wash him for the first time in the hospital sink. He was a pretty big baby, but he still fit in the sink. And, uh, and then once he was clean, the nurse handed me this blue hat, and I put the blue hat on his head. And then I just started to speak to him and speak life and purpose and love over him. And all of a sudden, I sensed this new calling and the, the fears of, will I have enough love for this kid, just dissipated. Because I, I, I recognized there was this new calling in my life to be a parent. And it was a calling that was beyond me. And the other night, I was going through my phone and looking. I was actually deleting a whole bunch of pictures because my phone hit the storage max. And I'm, I struggle with storage capacity in my phone. I'm a very bad storage management person in my phone. And so it was like I had like zero memory left. So I'm like, what can I delete? And I'm looking at all these pictures. And this picture came up four or five years ago. And then this picture came up. We were in Barcelona together. And we had an awesome time together. And then, of course, I found pictures of my daughter. She popped up a couple of times in my phone. Are they on there too or no? Oh, they're not on there. Okay, so sorry, Julie, you didn't get on the feed. Or Franca, I was thinking about that. But, but as I was looking through these pictures, I was reminded, I'm called to these people. I'm called to Andrew and to Julie and to my wife, and particularly, at least I was thinking about that in that moment. I don't just live for myself anymore. And, and a parti- that particular calling, like other callings, gives life and purpose. In fact, it also gives strength. There's strength in those kinds of callings. Because calling leads you to discover that self is not the only thing that matters, right? When you discover a calling, you realize that self is not the only thing that matters. Now, in our culture, our culture often lifts up self. Our culture often says self is one of the most important things. And a, ph- a philosopher two, three hundred years ago penned these words, I think, therefore I am. And that catapulted the Western world into an era of modernism and the Enlightenment, which has become pretty self-centered. The Western world, with all its great things and its pursuit of equality and justice and happiness has also been very selfish. And there's been things you can just add to the word self. You can be self-reliant, and that's not always a bad thing because if we only rely on other things and never look at ourselves, we're like, we, you know, we might rob ourselves of, of growth, but self-reliance or self-determined or self-contained, but sometimes that turns into being self-centered And sometimes it turns into being selfish, right? Here's something so important about calling. I want to read this off the screen with you. Calling brings a strength that is never discovered in self. A calling beyond yourself brings a strength that is never discovered in self. 
The New Testament uses the word calling quite a bit. In fact, Paul uses it in his letters when he helps these first followers of Jesus in the first century understand what it means to follow Jesus. Because to be a follower of Jesus, one is wrapped up or one's life becomes wrapped up in a new calling. One becomes wrapped up in a new way of life. And I want to read, jump back into Ephesians chapter 4 where we were in last week and we're going to be in for a couple of weeks where Paul describes this particularly. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4, verse 1, and we're going to read the first six verses here. And Paul uses this word a couple of times in this, uh, in this passage. So here's what he says. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And I pray God just opens our minds and our hearts to this. This first verse that Paul starts this, this second half of Ephesians where he calls us into how to live this new identity in Jesus. He says, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. When someone becomes a follower of Jesus, when someone begins to follow Christ, they are responding to an actual calling. The call of the gospel is to follow Jesus. And I know sometimes people describe the gospel almost exclusively as the forgiveness of sins or eternity. But we, un- we understand through the, the, the wide you know, range of the New Testament that the call of the gospel is to follow Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the call to the universal reign of Jesus because he is Lord and he is king. And I love the word lordship when we describe Jesus because... That is what it means to follow Jesus. We come under his lordship because he's king of God's kingdom. When Jesus came to earth and lived and died and resurrected and ascended, it's as though God became king of his kingdom that Jesus came bringing. And this call is a call to believe that Jesus is the risen Lord and king. That's the, that's the biggest and, and probably maybe the highest level way of what it means to understand to be a, a follower of Jesus. We know that in Christ, something happened in history that announced to the world that there's another way, there's another life, there's, there's another hope, there's another future. And when Paul summarizes the gospel, he says that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised to life And the early church lifted up the idea that Jesus ascended into God's presence. The gospel calls us to believe in this Jesus, that he's king, that he's Lord over all things. And when that happens, your life and my life, or anybody who makes this this move, this response to this calling, is wrapped up in a new calling, is wrapped up in a new way of life. And Paul tells us that hope is associated with this calling. 
That there's a sense of hope that comes in our response to that calling. Verse 4, he says, you're called to one hope when you were called. And if we think that hope doesn't matter in our world today, people are always longing for hope. The, the recent cover of Maclean's magazine, Canada's kind of you know, biggest news magazine, is just like plastered, hope. And people are wondering, how do we find hope when the climate crisis is happening? How do we find hope in the middle of this pandemic? How do we find hope when we see volatility in the economy? How do we find hope when equality and justice seems to be breaking right before us? And even as Canadians, you know, plastered on McLean's magazine, the question is, where do we find hope? And this beautiful thing is associated when we respond to this calling in Jesus. Hope is, is part of this. It's to hope that we're called. And here's why. Because, because Jesus conquered death and rose from the grave, every one of us who gives allegiance to him discovers that same victory, that same power, that same strength. The life of the risen Christ becomes our life. The Apostle Paul says it this way, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That's a pretty big statement. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in those who've responded to this calling to the gospel to follow Jesus. Paul, it said of himself, he said, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Jesus who lives in me. And that gave incredible strength to followers of Jesus. There's strength in this calling. There's life and strength under his lordship and under his leadership. And here's something really cool as Paul describes this and unpacks it. It's so big, it's so wonderful that this calling envelops us into something that's bigger than ourselves. Look how Paul describes this when he uses the word one over and over and over again. He says there's one body, verse four, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Paul's saying the calling we have is wrapped up into the unity of God and the unity of God's people. That our calling in Christ is wrapped up in the unity of God and the unity of God's people. In fact, this, this passage is like an early expression of the Trinity. It was only the fourth century where the church really was able to kind of come around all the beautiful statements in the scripture to say this is what we believe the Trinity is, God the Father, Son, and Spirit. But in this passage, we see this reflected. So we see that God the Father is mentioned, Jesus the Lord is mentioned, the Holy Spirit's mentioned, and verse 6 says that God the Father is what? Over all, through all, and in all. That's Trinity language because God the Father is over all things. The scriptures tell us Jesus, that all things were created through Jesus. And the scriptures teach us that the spirit is in all things. So when Paul ends this little phrase that God is over all and through all and in all, it's describing the work of the Father, the work of the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, your calling is wrapped up into this, the unity of God. But it's also wrapped up into the unity of God's people because he says there's one body, the church, and there's one faith that collectively those who come to follow Jesus find their allegiance in him. There's one baptism as someone comes to follow Christ and they get baptized and they immerse themselves in water and come out. There's the, the, the theme and meaning of baptism is that we all are part of this. So we're, we're, one body, we're one body under Jesus' lordship. We, we share a faith under Christ's lordship. 
And the simplest way that I would describe a Christian is someone who says Jesus is Lord. And that word faith is the word allegiance or loyalty or trust. So we're one body under Christ's lordship. We're one faith under his lordship. And we are baptized into Christ and into his church. It's that big. So we're called to Christ and we're called to his people. And that calling is way bigger than me. And that calling is way bigger than you. And, and here's, here's what I just want to get at today. There's strength in that calling. There's a strength in that calling that, you, that cannot be found only in yourself. There's strength in that calling that cannot be found only in myself. It's way bigger. When the gospel calls us, or Jesus calls us to die to our sin, to die to ourself, to repent, to turn away from a life without him, and to turn to a life with him, and to respond to him, there's strength in that calling. When Jesus called his first disciples, they they, they in turn responded to his call and realized there's something bigger in the life following him than just following myself. And they ended up finding strength in that. It's something that cannot be found in yourself. And Paul encourages us in Ephesians, 1, Ephesians 4 in these first few verses. Like in verse 1 when he says, live a life worthy of the calling. He's talking about action. We don't just kind of get this calling and then be like, that's cool, thank you, back pocket, now I have a calling. No, Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling. We're called to a life. And it's an action-oriented life. It's, I like thinking about it this way. It's like I'm pulling my life forward into this calling. If I'm going to live my life worthy of this calling, I'm, pulling, I'm kind of pulling my life into this calling that I've received. I, I, I hear and have heard and have responded to, to, to come under the lordship of Christ, but then actively, daily, I pull my life forward into this calling. And this brand new life and this brand new hope that only comes in surrender, that only comes at the feet of Jesus. And so what does that look like? Well, daily, it, it looks like reminding ourselves of Christ's lordship every day. We're going to end our gathering today with a, a certain declaration of faith that I've come to read almost every day for the last two years. But part of the heart of that is, is that simple statement I said, Jesus is Lord. What if every day we woke up and we just reminded ourselves, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of the universe. His universal reign exists, and I'm called to serve him. And if we remind ourselves daily of the Lordship of Christ, if we root ourselves daily in the Lordship of Christ, and then here, this is what it means to live into this. It's responding to the Lordship of Jesus. It's responding to the Lordship of Jesus. So something's going on with a relationship, and, and through your reading of the Scriptures or the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you just get this sense like, I need to fix this. I need to change this because this, the way I'm living this relationship is not honoring the Lordship of Christ. And then you realize, oh, Jesus has all the authority. I'm going to respond. I'm going to, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to live this way. That's responding to the lordship of Jesus. When God prompts you towards a greater generosity in your life and you begin to realize he owns everything. He has everything. All things are his. And that's cool. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sensing this, this prompting to, to just grow in my generosity. Responding to the lordship of Jesus is saying, Jesus has all authority. He's the ruler of all things. I can trust him. I'm going to grow in generosity. I'm going to make this step. And think of that in every decision in your life or different pockets of your life 
different spheres of your life, whether it's at work or at home or in your neighborhood, in your finances, in your relationships. And when you notice that, that the Lordship of Christ is prompting you or leading you in one way, well, if he's really Lord, then say, okay, I'm going to walk this way. I'm going to do this. And then Jesus tells us that, or Paul tells us that there's a way to do this. There's an attitude about this. And I love what he describes. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. In other words, this is the, the key. Don't, don't ever think that this new calling, and it's possible because Jesus is Lord. It's like, I follow the king of the universe. Man, I can get arrogant about that. I can get prideful about that. You've heard even preachers say sometimes, hey, you're God's kids. Don't let anybody push you around. You're the best person in the world. Well, yes, we are God's kids, and that's amazing. That's something to be proud of. But when I get arrogant or prideful because I am following Jesus and you're not, or that person isn't, or this system isn't, all of a sudden it's like, well, Paul actually says, wait, wait, but if you want to really live out your calling, um, be humble and gentle, be patient, bear one another, bear with one another in love. Because if Jesus is Lord and his life is in us, then we begin to live like him. And you read enough of the New Testament and you will come to realize that we serve a humble king and a patient king and a generous king and a compassionate king and a king who suffered sacrificially and a king who loved unconditionally and a king who pursued people and a king who was, even though he was equal with God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he took the form of a servant and obeyed death on a cross. That's the king we serve. And so Paul says, if you want to live into your calling, live like the king you serve. This is the attitude we should have as we follow Jesus. And believe it or not, there's strength in these attributes. Sometimes we, we want, the world says there's strength in arrogance. No, I think I've seen more strength in humility and in people who are patient and in people who are loving and in people who are kind. There's strength in these attitudes. And I guess what I was thinking about this, and, and, and we'll wrap up soon, is sometimes I, I get weary of, of, of some selfish calls to Christianity. It's like, come and follow Jesus and you'll win at work. Come and follow Jesus, and you'll get wealthier. Come and follow Jesus, and you'll never be sick a day in your life. Come and follow Jesus, and you'll win in relationships. And I'm like, the call to the gospel is the universal reign of Jesus. Now, this is something that happens as a kind of byproduct, is when you follow Jesus, you become a better person, and some parts of your life actually change for the better, and there's some beautiful results. But that's not the ultimate call. The ultimate call is his lordship. Because here's something we all need to recognize, that when the rubber meets the road, or when we hit a crisis, or when the world is in a pandemic, or when the material things in our world are hit by a storm, you know what? You will find more strength at the feet of Jesus than at the feet of anything else in this world. You will find more strength at the feet of King Jesus than at the feet of anything else in this world that calls for your allegiance. And there are things in this world that call for your allegiance and my allegiance, but you will not find the kind of strength in those things as you do at the feet of Christ when you serve him and love him and respond to his universal kingship 
and lordship. I saw this a couple of weeks ago. And uh, my family and I, were, we were in Toronto three, four weeks ago, and we were visiting with my, my twin brother and his wife and some other parts of my family were there. And some of you in our church community know that my sister-in-law uh, is living with and struggling through cancer. And just this, the end of the summer, she came to the realization that the chemo is not working and that the cancer is growing and that there's nothing else medically that really can be done. And shortly after we found that out, we thought we wanted to go and be present for a weekend with them, and we were, and the weather was helpful. We were, our whole family was able to be on my brother's deck, and uh, we all we spent some time together, and we ate together, and there was a moment we were, we were all there outside on the deck, and um, we thought, well, let's, let's take some time and pray. So... We're grateful that all of us are followers of Christ and we took time to pray. And so one person prayed and another person prayed and it was a beautiful moment. But, but then there was this moment when uh, my sister-in-law prayed, Janet. And her voice was coarse and weak. And you could sense that there was a, obviously a, a feebleness in her body. But she prayed. And when she prayed... There was so much strength there. She, she, she prayed with so much gratitude for the way God has allowed her to be part of a family and a life and a purpose. She prayed for so much gratitude for the Lord's work in her life. And she prayed this while she knows that this cancer is taking over her. This, this was the thing that... It was a bitter moment because we all know where this is heading, and yet it was such a sweet moment because it was such a tangible expression of strength at the feet of Christ that cannot be found at the feet of anything else in this world. And it just reminded me that this comes with the call of Christ in our lives, with the call to his lordship. There's this other girl in her, her life, a friend of hers named Amy, who's been struggling with MS for over a decade. She's paralyzed from the shoulders down, and uh, her husband is in ministry, and this, this, this woman's life is basically being cared for. And this girl, Amy, texts my sister-in-law, Janet, they text back and forth from each other. And the kind of, of strength and hope that they both share in Christ blows me away. Because again, it reminds me that you cannot find strength at the feet of anything else like you find at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to ask Louise and the team to come up as we, we close in prayer today. And um, I want to just give us a moment today to, to respond, to just reflect on this. We said, let's remind ourselves of the Lordship of Christ daily. Let's remind ourselves of who Jesus is. Let's Let's be mindful and, and root ourselves in who he is and what he's about and his, his lordship and his kingship and his universal reign. And as they come up and just begin to play this song, it's really a simple chorus, and, and I'm, some of us will probably know it, but the words um, reflect really simply what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to sit at the feet of Christ and recognize my strength is in him. And part of our goal this next, month, this next month is really to come to understand where true strength comes from. 
And it starts at the feet of Christ. It starts at the feet of our Lord and our Savior. And some of you are here today and, and are watching online and are just, just starting to discover, oh, I want to I know what it means to follow Jesus. I want to know what it means to make steps. And, and maybe the words of this song and, and how we're going to end our gathering today might be a way that you can start to articulate that. Um, what is slowly growing in your heart, what is slowly where you feel God leading you towards um, because it does take a response. The calling is out there, but it does take a response from us to say, I'm going to respond to that calling. God, I recognize that Jesus is Lord and I'm going to, I want to follow him. I want to serve him. I want to trust him. I want to respond to his call to me to say, die to myself and die to my sins so he can lead my life. And so my life comes under his management and care. That's the call of the gospel. And, and if you've been exploring that or thinking about that, part of, your, part of what it means to follow Jesus and what you're looking for as a next step is actually that, to say, I come to the feet of Christ because I recognize that he is Lord, that he did die for my sins, that he, did, he was buried, that he did raise to life, that he did ascend into God's presence. As the team sings this, sing it along with them, maybe as a way of affirming this today. And I'm going to come up and close with um, just a short declaration. I hear your call to acknowledge who you are. King of God's kingdom. Lord of all creation, Savior of all who put their trust in you, extended to me. So I say yes to following you, Jesus. I say yes to trusting you, Jesus. I say yes to aligning myself to your lordship and your kingdom and your universal reign. I believe your life and death and resurrection and ascension. And I long my life to be under your management and care. Even expressing that to Christ today is your response to his calling. Amen. Here's this declaration of faith I, I read several times a week in the mornings and it'll be part of what we do on Facebook Live every day as well, starting tomorrow. And it's uh, part of Peter's words in John 6, where Peter asks the question, and, and I want to read it together. Let's read it together. To whom shall we go? And then Peter recognizes this. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory.